Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So we come down to the time in our worship service in which we hear the word of God preached. Today, our scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. This is John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we pray for your goodness, your mercy, your truth, and your word to be revealed to us. Amen. So my wife and I have been married 16 plus years, and uh, just probably um, like all of you, if, uh, if you got married, that wedding day is supposed to be perfect, and it's not, right? There's always stuff that happens when you have so many details being put together, and so we had a, a few things that happened in our wedding that didn't quite go the way that we planned. My favorite part was uh, when we got to the ring ceremony. Now, there had been some pre wedding ceremony drama because my wife had lost her tiara. That's a story for another day. But it sort of threw everything in the bride's room and a little bit of uh, uh, just things were disrupted for a little bit. Meanwhile, in the groom's room, we're just eating and having a good time and I know nothing. All right. So uh, we get up there and we come time for the exchange of rings. Now my best man, his name's Dave, he did his job perfectly right. He had one job, and that was to make sure he had her ring, and he did that correctly. So when it came time, and they said, all right, can you get your rings? I went to Dave. He pulled it out of his pocket. He got it. When Heather looked back at her maid of honor, whose name I won't use because she did not quite do everything right, she realized that she did not have the ring. And so as she was standing there and and looking at Heather and then looking what to do, she, she turned to the bridesmaid next to her and said, where's the ring? That bridesmaid turned her head down, where's the ring, where's the ring, all the way to uh, my mother-in-law who was sitting on the front row. 
And uh, my mother-in-law said, maybe it's on the ring bear. We had these little T.Y. Beanie Baby ring bears, bride and groom, really cute little things. And they were sitting up at the altar. I used those to propose. And, um, and so they said, it's on the bear. It's on the bear. It's on the bear. It's on the bear. And, and it got to Heather. And she, so she looked at the bear, and it wasn't on the bear. Right? You want everything to, to go perfectly at your wedding but it doesn't always go so. It's a big day, um, and it doesn't always work out like that. Weddings are holy events, but they're big events. Kids in box one, I want you to draw a picture of a wedding. Now, part of what we see in this story is the same thing. A wedding that was supposed to go right, and something went wrong. And, and, and so we, it forces us to, I want us to dig into this story a little bit because there's so much in the scripture um, that, that maybe we've missed as we're just sort of wondering, like, what is this, um, why did Jesus turn water into wine and what would this be like? But there's a lot here. And so the first thing is we, we know that Jesus um, must have known who this family was, but especially Jesus's mom, Mary, this must have been a family that mattered to her. Because she goes up when there is a crisis, she goes up to Jesus and says they have, they have run out of wine. Now this would have been a terrible thing at a wedding because a wedding was all about hospitality. It was all about helping people to feel um, and, and to celebrate. And you do not want to be known as the place in which a party failed miserably. That would have stayed with you for the rest of your life. And so Mary... Jesus' mom came to him and said, they have run out of wine. And Jesus says these words, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, depending on how you read that sentence depends on how it comes across, right? Like, as we were talking about it as a staff, like, Jesus can be a little sassy if you read it right, right? Woman, what does this have to do with me? Now, I choose to believe that we don't get sassy Jesus, we get like sort of like compassionate Jesus, right? Like, Gee, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Why would I tell people who I am at this moment in time to let people know and to do something? What does this have to do with me? My time is not yet here. Because Jesus knew that, that when he started doing miracles, word would spread. And people would come from everywhere. But he did something. He took time to do something at a wedding in a small village in the middle of nowhere to a family we have no idea what their name is. Jesus met them there. And so one of the first things I realized about this text is that in the history of the world, maybe this wedding was just like one of millions of weddings that happen. And they're big to those people who are there, but they're not always big to everybody else. But to those folks, it was the big day. And what I've learned is that your moments matter to Jesus. It's easy for us as people to think, God, you've got bigger problems on your mind you, I mean, I, I look uh, about what's happening in Afghanistan and my heart breaks. I look about what's going on in Haiti and my heart breaks. I know yours does as well. And, and there's a part of me that's tempted to be like, God, all right, I'm, I'm going to pray for them because I believe that, that God can do something that we can't. And then it almost feels selfish to pray for myself. 
It almost feels selfish to being like, but God, I've got this thing I'm nervous about on Sunday. Or, or God, um, I know that my daughter just has the sniffles, but, but can, can you heal her too? I mean, take care of those folks, but, but it almost feels selfish. But I think part of the miracle of this story is that it teaches us that our moments matter to Jesus. Yes, God cares about the big things, but he also cares about the little things. In your moments, your weddings, those little things, they matter to Jesus, and Jesus is there. And that Jesus has a way to take our moments and use them as miracles that are good for you, that are good for others, and that are good for the future. And so after Jesus says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. There doesn't seem to be any more of a conversation between Mary and Jesus that we can tell. Instead, Mary just goes to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. And it makes me think this. Maybe you may not receive the miracle you are looking for because you are not following his directions. The servants were told, do whatever he tells you to do. That's all she said. Do whatever he tells you to do. But how hard is that for us? So this is what I've figured out I do in my own life, and maybe this is true for some of you. You, you find yourself in a problem or in a situation, and you think you, you, you come up with a solution to it. And so you, you, you work it out and, and you plan it out and you need a couple of things to happen that you can't control, but you've got everything else planned out. And so you, you go to God and you say, God, I figured it out. If you would do this and this, I'll take care of the rest. Just bless my plans, we want to say, instead of saying, Lord, here I am. We just, we go to God and we say, just, can you go ahead and bless what I've won? I want to control things. We don't say it that way to Jesus, but we mean it. Um, and we, we say, I, I have it all figured out. Just bless my plans instead of, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Would we really be willing to have the miracle if we had to do whatever he tells us to do? Would we be willing to do that? We are not people who like to be told what to do. Even by God. And so one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is to, um, and I don't do this perfectly, is to try to have a posture of what is called holy indifference. Now this idea is to come to God and say, Lord, I want your will, I want your way. And I'm okay with whatever that is. It's a posture of, of holy indifference, of saying, Lord, I want what's best, and I want what you determine is best. Have your way in me. Now, this is really hard. It's really hard because we all come with agendas. We all come with things we want to do. We all come with outcomes we want to see. But what if we came to God, whether it be as a church or whether it be as individuals, and say, Lord, your will, your way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a posture of holy indifference. Your will be done. And if we want a miracle to happen in your life, if you want something, if you want to climb a mountain that you don't know how to climb, you've got to go to God and say, Lord, I don't know the way. Your will be done. And the amazing thing is God can do something with us when we're moldable that he can't do when we're stubborn. And so the servants, 
did whatever Jesus told them to do. He says these words. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And right after that, it says, and they filled them to the brim. And so kids in box two, I invite you to draw a picture of the servants filling the jars with water. And then he goes on and he said, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it immediately. They did exactly what God was telling them to do. And so it says that they had these six jars for purification. Empty jars. Now here, we, you probably wondered, and maybe some of you figured it out. We have six trash cans. Now these are about 30 gallons each of trash cans. These are empty. And one of the things as I was reading this story is it's a whole lot easier for Jesus to do miracles with empty things. He took these empty jars and he had them fill them up and they became the miracle wine. And what we can learn from this is that God does miracles with empty things. He loves it when we pour ourselves out and we say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Because it's at that moment God is like, finally, I can pour myself into you. I can do a miracle into you. And maybe one reason why it's harder for us to get the miracle that we're looking for is because we're so full of stuff that we need to empty ourselves. We need to surrender and say, Lord, here I am. You love when I'm empty because then he can fill us up with his things. Now, part of the reason why I have trash cans here is because I want to show you the absurdity of this miracle. Because I don't know how many people were at this wedding. I don't know how much wine they had, they had already drunk and how much more they were going to drink. But this is a lot of wine. Imagine if these were full of wine. We could have a party, all right? Now, not as Methodists. We're not supposed to have alcohol on the premises, all right? But you could take these home if you could pick them up. This would be 250 pounds if these were full each. So 250, 500, 1,000, 1,500 pounds of wine, all right? Now, we, our minds can't comprehend 1,500 pounds of wine. So let me give it to you maybe in a way you can understand. The average bottle of wine has five kind of cups of wine in it, all right? So there are five bottles in a gallon, all right? So the average bottle, five cups, five bottles in a gallon. These are 30-gallon trash cans, all right? That's 150 bottles of wine times six, 900 bottles of wine. I think that's enough. 900 bottles of wine. An absurd amount. I don't care how big the party is. I think that will do it. And this is part of what I think this scripture teaches us. Is that Jesus doesn't just do mere miracles. Jesus' miracles are more. Because not only did he make 1,500 pounds of wine, but it was good, good wine. 
So kids, I invite you in box three to draw a picture of the wedding party. Because it was the best wine, they, they took the, the wine to the master of the ceremonies, and when he tried it out, he marveled at how it tasted. He, he celebrated them for saving the best towards last. Now, I, um, I don't even, you know, if the 1,500 pounds or the 900 bottles of wine, just imagine how much that would have cost to get the best wine at 900 bottles. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you buy wine, I don't know if you drink wine, all right, but if you were to get the best wine, we looked it up, there are some absurdly hundreds of thousands of dollars bottles of wine, let's, let's take those out of the equation, right? All right? What if it was just a hundred dollar bottle of wine? What if Jesus did a $90,000 miracle for a family in one night? How absurd is that? And they celebrated, and they danced and they partied, and they enjoyed things. Jesus doesn't just do miracles, he does more. He redeemed a family through this miracle, a family that would have been destined for embarrassment for the rest of their lives. Oh, they were the ones who threw the party and ran out of wine. He kept a party and a celebration going. He proved to his disciples who he was. I don't know if you notice that the very last words of our scripture, it says, and his disciples believed in him. They didn't just believe him, they believed in him. Sometimes we need a sign or a wonder to remind us and to help us to believe in him. Shows that our matters moments to God, our, our moments matter to God. But I'm still was confused about this part. Is why a wedding? I mean, that seems like that's a significant thing. That that the first celebration, the first miracle would happen at a wedding. And I think in some ways it is a symbol of what God has come to do. Now, the wedding is the biggest day for a lot of people. I mean, I remember learning, um, it, it took me a, a little bit of time to understand, but when I realized that my wedding was the biggest party my mother-in-law was ever going to throw, some things made sense to me. I'm like, why does this matter so much to you? It's our wedding. Because it's her party, this huge ordeal. You know, oftentimes when people say, what is the best day of your life? We say our wedding day. When I meet with couples, uh, one of the first things I say is, when is the big day? When Heather and I, we, we got engaged on Friday, February the 13th, 2004, and our big day, we eventually set for Friday, February the 13th, um, May of 2005. We had a 15th month. I'm sorry I've made you all do so much math today. I'll, I'll, I'll save you all math from next week, all right? A 15-month engagement, which is if you want to be engaged for 15 months, do not. It's a terrible idea. Because there's only so much planning you can do, and the more time you have, the more planning. I mean, I remember when Heather and I, when we first were we're getting there, and it was like a month in, and, and she's like, well, let's go ahead and let's get everything planned. And I'm like, we've got time. Like, what are we in a hurry for? Right? But we just planned, and then we planned, and then we replanned, and then we replanned. She had a binder, like all this thick of all this stuff. And, and we put all this energy and detail into it. Now that I'm a pastor, um, I, I want to tell couples, just like calm down, like just relax. And I, I, I sit with couples, and I tell them this. I say, look, I care about your wedding 
ceremony. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to say something weird. I do good weddings. Don't worry about it. But I care way more for your marriage than I do your wedding. And so often what happens is, is that we get so focused on the party that we miss out on the relationship. We spend hours and hours and hours planning every detail of the party. And they spend four hours with me in premarital counseling. Every couple I've ever done a wedding for, it's been like this. And I think that for some of us, we have to understand that Jesus will take care of the party. Jesus will take care of the party. He wants us to invest in the relationship. For a marriage to work, it involves two people coming together and saying, no matter what, I choose you. For better, for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. It's an insane commitment that we make together. But what we're saying is, I choose you and I choose relationship. And just as we choose a a partner for a wedding, so too do we have to choose Jesus. And do we have to invest in the relationship? We don't just come up one time and get baptized with the waters of baptism and everything is going to be good. It is a relationship with Jesus that matters most. It is a relationship in which we pour ourselves into God and we say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to journey together with you for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer and for poorer. Till death do us unite. Because the truth is, as we walk with Jesus on this earth, we prepare to party in heaven. Now, sometimes people say, Aaron, what does heaven look like? And um, are there really streets of gold? And I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. Because I just know that whatever I imagine heaven to be, it's going to be better. That that whatever I think, oh, this is what my mansion will look like, it's going to be better. And we're going to be together with God forever. And so I think part of this miracle is that Jesus reminds us that he saves the best for last. We have some wonderful things that happen here on earth. We have some wonderful celebrations. And it's so great just to relax and enjoy and to dance and to party. But Jesus saves the best for last. And so I love that song that we sang earlier. Forever singing, holy is the Lamb. My friends, there is a party that's here. It's a foretaste. It's a drop in the bucket of the immeasurable party that's ahead of us. And so it's really important that we become people who commit our lives to a relationship with Jesus in which we devote ourselves to who God is and what God is doing. And that we say, Lord, I want to walk with you all the time. That we unite ourselves with Jesus. And so today, um, and, and maybe you've made this commitment a long time ago, but maybe you've never made the commitment to say, I do to Jesus. Lord, I trust you. I want to follow you. I want to live and r- with you. And I want to take care of this relationship so that you, and I trust that you're going to take care of the party. And I think for all of us, it's so easy to get busy doing the things instead of being with Jesus. And so as we come to a little time of prayer, I'm just going to invite you to just be with Jesus. 
just take care of that. Sometimes we can get so focused on all these things to do, but what if we just sat and were still? And what if we breathed in his grace? What if we took it all in? Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.